This is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. Kevin, do you mean to tell me that we could have come into this room, entered this voice channel, and had this conversation a dozen times already? A dozen? A hundred? A thousand? That's impossible to know. That's a good pick. That's that's got to be the image when, when this this segment goes up on the episode. That's good. That's gonna be the I would, I would, I would think um, time is a flat circle. What does that even mean? Time is a flat circle. Um, I forget the rest of it, but it was like everything that has happened that will happen again, or something like that. Okay, but like a circle by definition is flat because it doesn't have three dimensions. Not if you turn it. It's still flat. It's still got two dimensions. If you view the if circle, it were three dimensional, it would be a sphere. No, it would be a uh, oblate spheroid. Or not. If it's oblate, then it's not a circle. Topologically, it would be. Well, no, because because it could be a circle if it if in two dimensions, and then once you add the third dimension, there's no telling of whether it's got the same diameter. In oh yeah, all the then, axes. Then it would just be a. What's the cause prism. It, what's the generic? Yeah, what's the generic term for a round object with one side that? is not necessarily spherical, but that encompasses spheres. A spheroid? Uh, an object with one side is a Mobius strip. I know, because a sphere is an object with one side. Um, does it have an inside? Uh, that's a good question. And if you add the fourth dimension to it, then you're back talking about time loops. Yeah. So the question is about Delta Green scenarios that have an element of repetition to them deliberately rather than accidentally. Wait, didn't we do this segment already? How many of those things we can get away with? <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out. So who was it that introduced this topic? Because this was a was while me. ago. So yeah. Jake, why don't you count us in? Tell us what we're talking about today. Besides uh, thing today I just we'll be talking about um, what I have dubbed as Groundhog Day scenarios. Why, why are they called that, Jake? Uh, because there is a semi-famous movie for boomers. Uh, Kevin, would you like to explain it's, the plot? I mean, of- it's an extremely good movie and say four boomers. It's like saying Home Alone's for boomers. Home Alone's for everyone. I mean, yeah, it, a movie being for people who are now elderly doesn't mean that we think the movie's bad. The vast majority of things that exist were once enjoyed by people who became elderly at some point in their yeah, lives. like Social Security. It's a, it's a Bill Murray movie where a guy is living the same day over and over again in that particular instance. That day was Groundhog Day or Puxatawney Phil or whatever uh, the gopher's name was at that time. But he's living the same day over and over again, and he eventually develops like a schedule for it. He knows when he steps out onto the street, someone's going to get splashed with mud, so he can either choose to stop the guy from getting splashed with mud or not. Or um, he's decided, you know, if I'm living the same day over and over again, maybe I'll take the time to go to the library and learn Spanish or, or something like that. But he's just living the same day over and over again, and he lives, I forget how long it is in the movie, it's like... Ten years or it's so. It's a ridiculous amount of time. Although, yeah. by the way, if you if you have never are totally unfamiliar and actually needed that recap, leave a comment at our website. I will PayPal you seventy five cents. I think that Groundhog Day is an interesting film because the way that he eventually breaks the cycle is that he fucks. He's being he's held he's held captive in this time prison until he can fuck within a single day, and that's what releases him. Which is just like you know from a from a 
Like what 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 what's going on in that universe where that's the that's the key to escaping the demiurge? It's never explained why he's living that loop over and over again, is it? But it has something to do with fucking because that's how he breaks free. What if it was just going to break that day regardless? Um, there is absolutely no way. Yeah, it could have been just set for an arbitrary number of repetitions, and he just decided on that day that he was going to get it right. Well, that's good, because we could think about that in terms of scenario design. How how will you let the players Jake, know when the thing is over? Like, how, how will you know? Jake, I'm going to challenge you I think- on a more basic level. Why are you interested in this concept? Explain um, what is good I'm interested about in this concept um, because... I have yet to really see a scenario that captures the same feel as wow. Groundhog Day. Wow. Oh no, no, I'm, wow. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get to Gulf of Town. I'm gonna get there. It's not as like mm, it, so when I, I was thinking about it, and I was trying to write one that was like this. And if if you don't focus the players on it, they're gonna do what Bill Murray did, and they're going to just waste a lot of time going through the same uh, repetitive day over and over again, and that. While it might be really fun for them, I have all these things that I've hoped that they'll uncover, right? I don't think they'll do that. I would worry about the reverse happening. You said I, you said it'll be fun for them. I don't think it'll be fun for them. I'm going to challenge you to explain to me why doing the same thing over and over again is actually fun and not boring. Yeah, I'm going to turn this over to Will for a minute. Um, because, Will, tell me about Outer Wilds. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to get into that because I was looking for an opportunity to jump in and say the trope of repeating the same day over and over again is a pretty common one in a lot of media. Groundhog Day is the most famous one. The greatest episode of Stargate SG-1 is a Groundhog Day episode. That's the one where O'Neill gets bored and starts hitting golf balls into the Stargate. A very famous episode of Star Trek The Next Generation is a Groundhog Day episode. That's cause and effect, which actually predates Groundhog Day by couple of years and also was the first episode of next gen that jonathan frakes ever directed and when he saw the script he thought the writers were pulling his leg uh but the other one he's got a leg injury (laughs) uh is is that way he does the chair thing yeah it is this is back anyway um so the outer wilds is a game that i played some of that i'm not sure if i've talked about on the after show uh it's it's a fun little game you're a little spaceman in a little miniature solar system and spoilers for the outer wilds in case you want to play it. Well, it's not that big a spoiler, actually, because it happens in the first 22 minutes. The gimmick of the Outer Wilds is you're repeating the same 22-minute sequence over and over and over again, and you have to figure out why. Is that uh, is that a sufficiently detailed explanation? Right. Um, that's, that's a good explanation. But, but like, Outer when... Wilds is super cool, and I thought it was super cool when you showed it to me. Why do you think it's good and not soul-crushingly dull? What is it that makes that game because there's so much to explore that you can't do it all in one run yeah there's a lot to do and a lot of different places to go and a lot to find every every time it resets you go okay i learned something like you always feel like you're making progress there's always somewhere new to go there's always something new to check to to go and look at i think the thing you guys are dancing around and not quite saying is that in ideal circumstances, you're not doing the same thing over and over again. You're deliberately making different choices from run to run. So you get to experience the things you didn't the first time. There is another video game that did this before the other wilds did, which has a terrible name. And the name of the video game is the sexy brutal. And it's, it's a, it's a murder mystery in like a casino hotel thing. And it's like the same, I think it's an hour just repeating over and over again. It's, It's quite good. Oh yeah, it's an excellent game, except for the title. 
That's a really weird title. There's two kinds of time loops, and I think we should differentiate the two um, because one solves this problem in a totally different way. One is the Groundhog Day where you repeat it until you solve the puzzle box. Uh, and that's fun because you are constantly learning and you're constantly iterating and trying new things and experimenting and, and the failure. If you, you know, if you die or you fail, you just, you know, start again. The other one is where the, there's a repeating thing, but it's some sort of a timer. So you, through whatever means you figure out that you only have, you know, three, five, six repetitions left, or they're getting shorter or longer or whatever. And then the fun there is that you have to solve the puzzle box, you know, under this time constraint. It was, we don't have that infinite time to play with like Groundhog Day does. Right. So you only have like, you know, eight or nine attempts. That's um, that's the direction that they're going for in the X-Men reboot. That um, there is a new mutant who is introduced in this one. Her name is Moira McTaggerty. I think they call her oh, Moira so X. Isn't that his wife? Uh, I think so. Uh, but Moira Don't they X, have a son called Proteus? I don't know enough about the X-Men lore, if I'm being honest. Does, I just jumped on it this time. Uh, this, is, this Magneto, is Magneto back to wearing purple? Uh, no, he's wearing white. Uh, um, makes sense, because the days of future passed. Oh, get out. Um, but she has the power of reincarnation, and when she does, she goes back to being a little babby in the womb, and she maintains everything that she knew from her past life. So she has like a PhD in physics, and she's like four years old or whatever. Um but she has a set number of lives because one of the other mutants whose power is prophecy told her you have 10, maybe 11 lives. And they're trying to uh, secure uh, basically the X-Men version of like the 14 words. They're trying to secure a future for the mutant people. And they know that they only have uh, three or four uh, timelines left where Moira can explain to uh Charles exactly what went wrong the last time and what they can try and uh, brainstorm to figure out in the future. That that was an interesting use of use of that allegory, Jake. Yes, they're trying to secure a future for the mutant people. Um, when you say that, uh, I am reminded, of course, of the time that Magneto got super high on mutant coke and tried to reenact the Holocaust in New York City with humans instead of um, Hebrews. And then they beat him up, and Wolverine caught off his head again. That really—that's a comic run. Like I said, I'm yeah. Like that was, that was I think, so. when Grant Morrison was doing it. It's an unfortunate allegory, and I could probably shoot that take again sometime. I should. Oh, no, it's there. It was, a good, <laughs> it was a good podcast until Jake started talking about the 14 words. That was a little, uh, a little unsettling. And did Sam Raimi join the podcast? <laughs> All right, so we've established what a grounded day scenario is. Uh, for practical example, there's an official scenario. Um, that deals with it. Uh, and there's been a couple, uh, at least one, but I think there's more than one um, non-official scenario because I, I wrote one. They use the ground, ground day thing. But if, if you're if you're going to approach this, uh, what uh, what you know? Can you just write it like a regular scenario, or do you have to write it with? Is, is there a different approach you got to take? I think that you need to write it in such a way that it's going to take more than one playthrough for players to understand what's happening. That way, the first day they play through, or the first, you know, whatever set amount of time that they play through, um, they have some information, but it's incomplete. And they can try a solution, but it won't work. So then the next day, they can feel free to explore a different avenue, knowing what they learned from the first day, and then trying to figure out more uh, more pieces of the puzzle on the second. So you have to write this scenario more complex than you normally would. Yeah, or just... 
Joe, don't give out enough clues the first day. There was, I think I've talked about this on the show before at some point, but if not, I vaguely recall that there was a, a full motion video game. There were several full motion video games for, for Star Trek, the franchise. And in one of them, I remember this very specifically, not having played it, but being told this. So maybe this is not actually true, but I like the idea. Um, you are a guy on doing space stuff or whatever. And at one point you can fight the Borg and like normally with Borg, you can just ignore Borg drones because they're just mindless guys who are doing technical tasks. But if you pick a fight with them, they assimilate you. But then if they assimilate you, you get all their secret codes. And then in the game world, you get revived by Q every time you die. So once you get the codes, you get revived and then you know all their secret codes and you're still alive because they rewinds it back to life. So there's an example of you can take risks and do stupid shit that would not fly if your character's life was on the line in a Groundhog Day scenario and get clues that way. Like you can, get, you can get captured by the bad guys and learn their secret plan and they execute you, but it doesn't matter because you get resurrected. Could uh, make players pretty cocky uh, uh, in the event that the, the loop was actually about to end. Um, another, <laughs> yeah, dude there. another thing I was thinking about was, uh, did you guys ever play Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion? I played a little bit of it. So every NPC in that game has a set schedule that they follow throughout the course of the week. And in a Groundhog Day scenario, NPCs would probably behave the same way. Like, think about it from the Groundhog Day movie. He's able to predict, like, when, when a thing is about to happen and he can choose either intervene or not. So you take that NPC yeah, they're schedule. they're on a loop until they... They're on a loop until they reset or until they're, you know, acted upon. Right. So, like, cause and effect is kind of uh, another thing you need to plan for when you're writing a scenario like this. Something that I have done when running Observer Effect in the past, if the one of the players passes a, a skill test, then on subsequent loops, they use their knowledge of what worked last time to automatically pass that same skill test at the same circumstance. And if they failed it, they can reattempt in the same circumstance because they know what didn't work last time. Yeah, I like that. I've never used that trick, but that's a good one. Um, I think in terms of what Jake was asking, you, know, you could write it that way. But I think if, if you just write, if you have NPCs that have clear like you know clear motivations and, and clear goals, then the handler can figure out what you know if they, the system is stopped from happening to them, what their next step would be, unless you needed to be very specific for you know to give some sort of next clue or something. Well, also, when you're writing NPCs, you have to um, factor in what uh, what they would think when a player tells them, or when a player character tells them, "We're stuck in a time loop, and I need your help." Like, how crazy would they think the the player characters are? Right. I think it would also be funny if there was an NPC that just used that, that just lied to people like that, or the players could convince another NPC that it was true and get them to do something stupid, they, and like with serious consequences. Yeah, like uh, like like you go to the the bar and you tell this guy, "Hey, you see that guy over there? In a second, he's gonna spill his beer, and then he spills his beer." They say, "You see that guy back there? He's about to fall out of his chair laughing." And he's like, uh, "Then the players the players tell that guy, well, we've been through this day hundreds of times. You can go out right now and you can uh, go rob a bank with impunity, or without him. You know, nothing nothing bad will happen to you. So you want to go rob a bank?" I think something that that the the tropes always miss, but that that I've seen players do, is once they've 
when you're in the middle of a loop, once you convince someone that there's something, a loop going, they got to help you is all is ask them, what would I need to say to you next time to convince you? Uh, oh, that's good. Because yeah. then, then you've just, been, just then, speed, speed run through. Yeah. Cause so then you don't need to convince them again. You just say, you know, you just tell them something from their childhood or whatever. And the NPC would probably, I mean, you, I mean, you told me, you thought you about told it. me yeah, to exactly. tell you this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> what would someone have to say to Jake Cook to get Jake Cook to believe that they're, you know, running a time loop, would, you know, I'm sure you yeah, know what it would be. You're not going to get those secrets out of me that easily, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, you can kind of like tick off a few NPCs that way, kind of get them like in, in the chain, so to speak. And then you can kind of speed things up and get them going faster. Groundhog Day as a speed run also sounds fun. Like, like, yeah, right? like less, less so that there's a thing that you have to do and more like you have to do it quickly. I will say from writing one of these and running one of these, uh, I did, you got to kind of keep it a little loose because you you've given the players this canvas to do whatever whatever they want without any consequences. I mean, within reason. So be prepared for them to do anything. So you know, I tried to write it a little more generic in terms of like the overall things or what's happening, and let a handler kind of make up the little stuff because you've no idea how players are going to interact once they realize that they're looping. Well, if, you know, if they say, hey, the last time this guy didn't do this, then you say, hey, remember earlier when you did X, you changed the chain of events that led to this. You know, that's how you can just kind of hand wave it if you make a mistake or if an NPC isn't doing the exact same thing every day. It's uh, it's really like um, the old, I think it's like a Chinese parable, but the for one of a nail, that sort of thing, that sort of chain of events um, you can use to say why things aren't exactly the same from day to day i'm sorry the what uh for want of a nail i'm, I'm not familiar with this what, what what does it mean uh so the parable goes for one of a nail the horseshoe wasn't completed for one of a horseshoe the horse wasn't you know in service for one of a horse the messenger wasn't able to deliver his message for want of the message the battle was lost it's just sort of like uh what is it the butterfly effect yeah i mean i still think it's causality yeah, sounds like man's oh, inhumanity to man. She she swallowed the bird to catch the spider. Swallowed the spider to catch the fly. But I'm I'm still waiting to hear why she swallowed the fly. I don't know why she swallowed the fly. We'll never know why. I guess she'll die. You know a media property that people are more likely to be familiar with who watch this show than any of that other shit we just talked about? Uh, nope. Majora's Mask. Oh, good example. Majora's Mask, a good one. Majora's Mask is a video game about being a guy in a in a. a imaginary land pretty similar to other video games in that regard however in this in this land your fate and the fate of the world is to be destroyed by the moon crashing into the earth at the end of what three days and the way that you can avert this is by playing the song of time to rewind back to life so that's good because it's a decision that you can make as link you can rewind the time at any time you want right to reset the timer. Yeah, that'd be a fun thing to give all those scenarios I can think of the players that have not control over the loop resetting, but giving them control over it would be an interesting way to do things. You could have a lot more interesting interesting mechanics there. And you could do things like if it drags on too long, things start to uh you know start to break down or you know the Langoliers appear or whatever. So oh that brings up uh, another topic perhaps. Um uh what uh, what mythos entities are commonly associated with like time stuff? Well, Hounds of the Angles, obviously. Right, it's the the ones that are basically like the time police. 
um, time, time dog police. Time kind kind of. I think what happens is like there there there's some kind of a causal a temporal predator, and when when you start moving around through time, you they they notice you, and they start right. following you through history. Right, and then uh, I think another one's probably like the Ithians. Those are pretty. Uh, yeah. Common, commonly associated with you know things must go exactly according to Kikiko. Yeah, th- those are the two obvious choices. Okay. So how's about how's about this? Um, the Hounds of the Angles are there to enforce causality violations, and so they are the reason why the Ithians, despite having all power over you know the ability to go to any timeline, do anything they want, why that why they basically just send like a guy to replace someone else in a body and just kind of hang out because if they actually start to fuck with the time stream, they're about to get censored out of existence because uh, the hounds are basically the universe's mechanism to stop itself from being deleted by irresponsible use of time travel. And that's why the Mego edit their own memories so that they don't ever violate causality when they engage in fast and light travel. Yeah, so they don't cross their own light cones. Yes. Yeah, so, and uh, they edit their own memories and they probably also edit their own appearance and then recursively convince themselves that they've always looked like crabs. The reason why you can do this in Majora's Mask is that the world is, again, far too large to explore in only three days, and you can use the knowledge that you gain, and also, like, you can take items with you. You can do quests that require moving stuff around over the three-day period. Has anybody else written one or thought about writing one? Or I've been trying to write a, uh, a Groundhog Day scenario, but I did it just kind of, like, with a lot of that X-Men influence I was talking about before. I wanted it to be a ritual where players could root themselves at a moment in time for them to return back to when they die, which again allows for that sort of recklessness like uh, Max was talking about earlier. But I haven't exactly figured out the meat of it or like what the actual investigation is going to be like. I I think it's not too hard to take a, assuming you have the right elements in there, you can take a regular scenario and throw a time loop on it because you've already figured, as long as I mean, there's no difference in your regular scenario and the ground day scenario in terms of like the clues. It's just a different type of mystery and different method to solving it. Yeah, yeah, that's one method. I was trying to write something overly complex, and I think that I should probably reduce the amount of complexity. Anyone else tried tried it or seen it? Well, you haven't it? talked in depth about yours yet. If you wanted to tell us about Gulf of yeah, go right ahead to yours, Kevin, because uh, I took the basic idea that I had for the one that I wanted to write, and I was like. Hey, Kevin, here's this idea that I have for a Groundhog Day scenario that I haven't been able to do anything with. And then I think some of that made it into yours. So go ahead and talk about your... Um, Kevin, you wrote a Groundhog Day scenario, didn't you? I did. Uh, I pasted uh, Golf of Time. Players get sucked back in time to a, a famous World War II battle. Uh, and the there's a Japanese um, hybrid, geom- hybrid geometric shell that hits the ship and causes it to enter a time loop. So I, I made a couple of really conscious decisions. One is the time loop is really sh- short. Uh, I think it's an hour. Might be might be a couple hours. So they're resetting it pretty frequently. So they don't so they don't have a ton of time to run around and um, do some of the things I suggested. Like you know, spend half you know spend an hour and a half giving someone there from the future. Uh, and they're in a time loop. It's not going to do any good when you only have an hour to do it, and they're in the you're in the middle of a, of a battle. Um, so it's it's pretty hectic. But because I made it deliberately pretty hectic, it's not necessarily the most complex solve. But the goal there is that you know, you want them to go through, you know, play through 
three to six loops and then figure it out and then maybe a couple more loops to nail it down and that's it. You don't need, you know, a thousand, you know. Uh, and that was kind of the, pre- the premise. I just wanted a cool, uh, I had a cool image of this battle and I wanted a reason to get Delta Green agents there and a time loop felt like a neat little challenge and it, I think it worked out okay. Something I like about having the really short length of the time loop, there isn't a whole lot of wiggle room as far as what the agents have to do to to deal with things. So it sort of incentivizes them. I haven't actually played this scenario. I've only read it, but it seems to me it would incentivize the the agents to like choreograph a perfect, you know, 30 minutes where everything that has to happen happens exactly on cue. And that's that's a that's really cool. I really like that. It's intense. I love that. Yeah, especially when you're dealing with things like battle damage and the ship, you know, being attacked and things going gone around you. And you're, you know, you're you're also an outsider in this. Uh, like Bill Murray and Grindr Day wasn't an outsider, but these guys just show up in their, you know, Delta Green street clothes in the middle of, on a World War II U.S. Navy ship. Like they're not, they can't sneak around very easily. So, so one of the problems they face is every time they time loop. Get, getting someone quickly convincing you know someone with enough authority that they're legit without wasting too much of the loot or else they're gonna you know they're gonna be hampered at every turn by somebody being like who the fuck are you don't move you know i'm, I'm trying to save you so earlier you mentioned um it's it's good for there to be like a limit on the maximum number of loops um in order to create you know some amount of stress for the players right yeah that's, that, that's like there's like two schools there's two design principles one is infinite loops the players just have to solve the puzzle and one is non-infinite loops the players are under a constraint so for finite loops how would you telegraph to the players that there's a finite amount of uh, loops um i don't know how, i don't know how much i want to spoil observer effect uh but i would do it I, spoil I, it. we've talked about it on our show yeah we talked about it you're right i, I would make i would make it something that they can mathematically or with a skill role figure out like the figure out that the time between loops is, you know, three hours and 33 minutes and 33 seconds. And every, it's always switching by, and, or, you know, it's, or every time loop you're losing 33 minutes or whatever. Oh shit. If it's three hours, I mean, we only have six loops or then we have nothing left, you know? Um, right. So something or something like they can science out math out something that a few of the people who are going to have skills to be able to like make a check and figure the clue out. If they start asking the right questions. If it's some sort of like a machine uh, thing that's sending them back in time for the loops, you could have whatever scientist or person operating the machine be like, hey, we only have enough juice for like maybe four hops. Yeah, exactly. Or something like that. Or um, if it is something that's a magic spell powered, you could have like like a doctor type be able to diagnose like oh this person is experiencing brain damage every time we loop and you know there's not going to be that many more times left yeah so just f- find a way to it's if if you're doing that you want to give the players that clue pretty fast so yeah, that they realize that's, that's only on, fair. Uh, like second or third you know uh loop whereas if it's if you're not doing that then you never want to get you, you, you almost you don't want to give them the clue that it's infinite because they just have to assume that if, if they can't find a reason why it's on it, they, they got to assume it is. So kind of, so, you know, give them the clue early if, it, if it's finite and don't give them a clue if it's infinite. This is a good example of as a handler, you got to kind of pay attention to how much fun the players are having. And if they start to fall into the repetition loop of like, like if they go a loop without getting any clues and they're starting to put their head, put their head against things, you've got to, you got to give them some bones because they need to they need to be solving clues or figuring something like one step closer at least every loop, um, 
or else then it becomes a frustrating slog. So, you know, be really cognizant of what they're doing and don't be afraid to throw them a bone. It's it's much better to end the scenario half an hour early and everybody saying how great it was than end the scenario two hours late and having people want to blow their brains out. Right. Uh, Is there anything anybody else would like to add about Groundhog Day scenarios? I'm surprised we haven't. It's such a common trope in media. I'm, I'm surprised there aren't more Delta Green scenarios that make oh, use of Oh, there are. There, there are plenty. I've just neglected to talk about them because I don't like them. Oh, what are That's they? Um, there's one there's on... a couple of shotgun scenarios. Yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom, do you want to take this? Because I don't remember the titles. I know there's one about Amigo Brain Canister or something. I don't really remember them very clearly either. There's one where a dude casts a magic spell to make the same day repeat over and over again, and there's one where the day repeats over and over again because you're actually an Amigo Brain Canister and they're just playing the same scene over and over again for some reason. Probably like study your, how humans react to it. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember what it was, but I don't I don't remember liking either one very much, if I'm being honest. So I do remember the one you're talking about. I don't remember the title, but I think it's a Brett Kramer scenario. It's a solo scenario, actually, where the idea is your lone agent is sent to some kind of conference to try and recruit this scientist in the Delta Green and first, I think you, after the first run, you end up having a stroke or something, and which is where you get the flash that, oh, this is all actually a simulation. You've been captured by the Migo. And I don't remember what the motivation is, but there's it's supposed to be that, the realization that it's more like source code, I guess, that movie, where the time loops aren't actually happening. It's just a simulation of something that's previously happened. I like that idea. I've never been a huge fan of soul scenarios, and I don't know how you do that without it being for a group, so maybe that's the only way you could run it for solos. But I wasn't familiar with any other ones, so that's curious. There's one other one, and I wish I could remember the title, but it's about a guy who goes... He, it's 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 a guy who's who's created a time loop or something, and the agents are trapped in it, and he tries to compel them to help him or something, and I also did not like that one either. I think that one is centered on like a green box, and so it's both... Yeah. Con- it's constrained in time, but I think it's also constrained in space, where you can't go too far away from the green box or else time will just automatically start looping. That's an interesting like uh, reset trigger. Yeah, like, Double uh, Dog Dare is one of them. That was one of that was from literally the first the first um, contest ever. And then there's one from 2016 called Loop. And then that's just two that's just the that's just the two that have loop in the um, the title. Alright so there's there's a few out there. And uh, if we if you've written one we haven't talked about it, I'd like to Send us a note. I want to hear. I want to see what it is. It says here that Let's Learn Acklo is also a loop, but I have not read that one. I've just been informed by knower of all things Tom that Standard Deviation is the one with the Migo doing the the brain repeat. I've got everything I I wanted to say out of the out of the brain hole. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, given how common a trope it is in in fiction, particularly of the kind that Delta Green dabbles, and it's surprising that we haven't actually done this segment before i'm sure we've recorded this before do you mean to tell me that we could have come into this room entered this voice channel and had this conversation a dozen times already a dozen a hundred a thousand it's impossible to know somebody asked me if you could play i was running a scenario that they'd already played a long time ago and they didn't know them if they would like, they want to play Delta Green because I was, at that point it was like an in-person game, only game in town. But they'd already done that, 
I was running, I was running the intro, but last things last for a different group, but they wanted to join. And I, I, I think we ended up either having a conflict or it ended up kind of doing flipping on its own, but it did make me wonder about if you, like, if you can play the same scenario twice, both like, I was in probably not with the same character. Although, I mean, you, you could, but mainly like as the same, just person. Um, you could, yeah. I've known so, people who have done it. Cause I, I, well, so I feel like with like, like I could, I could run the same Dungeons and Dragons dungeon crawl twice. Cause it's, uh, there's not a lot of, like, if I'm just playing the wizard, I'm just going to be shooting stuff. There's not a lot of, you know, meta gaming you can do even unintentionally, but with Delta Green, there's so much, like, it's harder to my, to my mind. I think it's harder to like pull back and like, well, you know that there's something horrible in the septic tank. So like, how do you keep that from influencing your, your character's actions? Or do you just fly on the wall? And be like, I will not make any decisions. I will just go along with the group and you know have a good time. I personally would lean more towards the second option. And where it came to to solving the mystery, I would only speak up if I felt that something extremely obvious was about to be overlooked. Like if everybody's going like, oh, this 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 uh, secret letter, you know, references a, a book. Man, if only we had that book. And it's like the first thing that they found. I'd be like, guys, guys, we have the book. Yeah, it's a clue they already have. They forgot yeah. about it or something. Yeah. That, that's sort of the most that I would probably do as far as uh, engaging in the actual mystery solving. But I mean, even that is even that is helpful because because sometimes you, you just you get caught up in the moment, you forget the clues you already have. So let me ask you this: if you're if you're you show up to Delta Green, the you realize that it's a scenario you've played. For example, say it was you know it's like a Gen Con event or something, and they didn't list it by the name. They just it's a brief summary, and you just didn't pick up on it. Do you have like a duty? Would you feel obligated to? pull the handler aside and be like, you know, I've done this, but I'm not going to be an asshole about it. Or... Yeah, I would I would let the handler know just so they know what's up. I don't think I can do it myself, personally. Why would you feel too obliged to save your character? Um, no, I just feel like it's an advantage, and I, I it, it'd be hard for me to put aside that knowledge, you know. I also don't have a tendency to get to play Delta Green a lot, though, so maybe that could be <laughs> You'd be like, shit, if I was this or nothing. Well, I, I say yeah. it all the time. I I don't um, read a fair amount of scenarios because I have the hope that I'll be able to play them on uh, Night at the Opera at some time. But how's, how's that working out for it's, you? Uh, well, I've done uh, over the last few Halloweens. I've been able to play a couple of games ran by. <laughs> oh yeah, do you do you uh, are you glad that you allowed yourself to not be spoiled for Artifact? Yes, Zero? absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun as shit. Vindicated. I had another question. Give me thirty seconds or give me five seconds to see if I can remember what uh what tangent I was going down in my brain here. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna lost it. Might have lost it. Oh well. Um Max, you've been in you've played a couple of scenarios, not of Delta Green, or maybe Delta, but of investigative type games in which you had already read the scenario. I'm thinking of uh, think before asking. Yeah, I think before asking is a scenario for a game called Eclipse Phase. It is the best scenario for Eclipse Phase. Hands down, the best scenario. It was not written by the Eclipse Phase developers. And and think before asking, the secret is that there is a secret AI at the end of the game that has broken out of its cage and is now waiting patiently for you to come and interact with it. Because it's harmless unless you get it to do something bad by giving it a, a, a poorly formulated argument. And this revelation 
does not actually change anything because aside from just destroying this the little moonlet that it's on from space there's really nothing you can do about it so that knowledge doesn't help you and also that scenario has a bunch of optional enhancements that really stuck in my memory personally but which will didn't use when he ran it so i was expecting that when we entered the space station we would be action economy to death by all the little space children because they've been reprogrammed by the ai to be a perfect botnet of killing machines but such a thing didn't happen because i think you felt that that was not that interesting yeah i wasn't really that excited about that i was like eh, this is too too grindy is what i thought that would be well yeah so it was funny because i will say this you're saying oh melon bread you didn't metagame uh that was partially my inspiration for why i was advocating that we break the action economy by making a million robots that each only had 20 percent chance to hit with a pistol was that you i thought that was the other guy um it's one of those situations where like the cia says no it was totally the montagnard's idea to fight the Viet Cong, we had nothing to do with it. Well, hey, what about the second time I ran that and you were there? Um, was I was I there? Yeah. What character did I play? Uh, I forget the name, but you were the captain of the Summer of George. Oh yes, I was the 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 starship captain. Um, that one was fun because I got to. Um, that one was actually fun going into because uh, one of the things about that scenario is that it's meant to be like this big pain in the ass to get to the little moonlet because no one goes there because it's a, a piece of shit moonlet that nobody cares about but uh pelagius bruegel the shipping tycoon with his vessel the summer of george was glad to ferry the players to the moonlet because that's his hobby and his job and it didn't again it didn't change anything about the scenario other than instead of having to cry and beg firewall to do it for you we just got to do it ourselves and he was deliberately, he was a character that was deliberately designed to not be min-maxed because instead of fighting with guns, he fought with the sword, which is the yeah. dumbest fucking thing you can do in Eclipse Phase. It's, it is in fact so dumb that it works. The thing was that in order to, in order for that to work, you have to have enough players that other people will be out making decisions and doing stuff and that your conspicuous refusal to do anything that would give the scenario away is not noticeable. So you wouldn't want the other... You would not want the other players armed with the knowledge that you knew what levers to throw? I think it's fine if they know, as long as there's enough of them, they can come up with their own plans yeah, and so on and play the game. I also feel like it works, at least in terms of Delta Green, playing the same thing twice works better when it's a larger... Like, it'd be a lot easier to play Iconoclast twice than Last Things Last, because there's so many right, different yeah. things that can happen. And you know, like, once you're off... Like, once you're off the rails of your last game, you can make decisions because you <laughs> untried territory for you. Any other thoughts on playing the same scenario advice? There's got to be a time where I've done it. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. I've uh, played the Curse of Strahd two or three uh, times I don't, now. I can't talk I, about Curse of Strahd anymore. Well, it's I, too, I, too every, every time I've tried or, like, I've been a player in it, like, it's fallen apart. So that's why I've played it a yeah. few times, but I've never well, finished it. I've had I guess, three abortive attempts, and it's very frustrating. I guess, I guess it's my third attempt. I'm lumping the two of you into the eventual Curse of Strahd game that I'm I'm going to run after I after I finish my sister's campaign. I, you know what? I, I take it back because I think I could play that one again. I've done it three times. It's it's really frustrating to run through like the fucking death house and be like like you know they explain something and you're like okay well I know exactly what the solution so, is here. 
but nobody's you'll, getting you'll it. Be glad to know that I. You'll be glad to know that I typically skip the Death House. Thank Christ. Yeah, it's like a like a baby portion of it. Like it's. Oh, I leave it in like a playing, dungeon, but I'm just like, nah, you don't start playing. Uh, level one and two Dungeons and Dragons I think it's the worst role playing experience you could possibly give to anyone on the history of the earth. It's absolutely terrible. D and D should just start at three, and then it might be a passable game. But anyway, yeah, enough about OSR. <laughs>